Hello, welcome to Sideways. This week, we're talking about how we tackle relationships with people who want to be in control of everything. We try to walk the spectrum from fundamentally harmless but infuriating behaviour towards the point at which it becomes frightening, oppressive and abusive. To lighten the mood, though, after such a serious topic, we examine the impact of Brexit on animal sex, discuss the merits of different apple varieties, Martin waxes lyrical about glue, and I get in a bother about Yorkshire puddings. Controlling behaviour. Good morning. Good morning. I thought... Um, I had a little sort of icon on my screen when you first came up and it okay. sort of obscured the middle of the screen. It looked like looked like you were wearing a cloak. <laughs> well, like, a, like from Victorian times. Well, no, because it's red. I thought you, I thought you might be dressed oh, as Superman for some reason. <laughs> or Santa. Yeah, one of the two, yeah. Whatever, whatever person well, is synonymous. Santa, would it? it wouldn't be Santa. It's the wrong time of year for Santa. Yeah, it's always, always the right time of year for Superman. I suppose it is. I was just trying to think of anyone that's synonymous with wearing red. Um, little red riding hood, I suppose. Chris DeBurr's the lady in red. <laughs> you look a bit, you look a bit like her. Do I? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can serenade me then, but I don't look, singing a bit of Chris DeBurr. Uh, I don't like that song. No, nor do I. It's horrible. It's awful. We've spoken it? about Chris DeBurr before, haven't we? Yeah, we have. I can't remember in which context, but, um, uh, I think that's enough now. We should never mention him again. But when we started this all those years ago, if I'd said to you, We'll talk about Chris de Burr multiple times. <laughs> I'd have I'd lost my marbles, wouldn't you? I'd have never signed up for the idea, that's for sure. <laughs> it would have been dead in the water day one. But anyway, yeah. anyway. Anyway. This, the, what we're talking about this week, um, mm -hmm. I think you exerted a bit of this this morning by keep changing the, the start times because I'm, I want to talk about controlling behaviour. I think you're, you're, trying to, you're trying to make me a subordinate to your, to your whims. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. yes, I did have to keep changing things, but then I guess it would be it would have been more controlling if it had been for any sort of nefarious reasons it rather, would have than been. The, rather than the fact that I just didn't get myself together quickly enough this morning oh. and then my um, laptop decided it wanted to do an update. Yeah, and annoying when that happens. I'm gaslighting my laptop. You <laughs> <laughs> are, or it's gaslighting you, one of the two. I'm not quite sure which way around it is. But... Um, well, it's me, isn't it? Because I'm blaming my laptop. For oh, you are blaming lateness. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll touch yeah. on that later on, actually. Not with That's laptops, right. but um, yeah. controlling behaviour was the, is the title of my notes. Excellent. Yeah. And it was another one of your ideas that you come up with recently. I bet this, um, is a, I bet this is a popular one in group. It comes up all the times in groups. Now, I'm surprised mm. we haven't looked at it before, to be honest. But it's, uh, well, it's because it's quite complicated, isn't it, really? It is complex, and I'm hoping you can, you can weigh in with some bits <laughs> on this one. <laughs> I'm going to um, try and keep it well, – we should try and keep it reasonably top level, I think. I, I, I don't know what that means, but we'll we do our best, whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's another one of the reasons that um, why drink and drugs can seem so attractive sometimes when people yeah. try to escape the trauma of that. Yeah, um, Absolutely. But, Yes. Yeah, of course, drink, drink and drugs, as you say, might be used um, as a way of uh, escaping from the stress and anxiety of uh, being exposed to someone who is controlling. Yeah. But I suspect it's also um, a, uh, a strategy used for people who are controlling and can't seem to escape from their own controlling behaviour. Uh, th yes, that happens all the time. And mm. 
and it comes up because obviously the partner often would like someone to continue not being in sobriety. They don't like them going to sobriety because they suddenly start to lack control over someone. So it's it, it's a multifaceted thing. It really is. Mm. But before we start, yeah, um, there was a headline I saw that I quite enjoyed. In fact, the, the headline was better than the than the actual story. <laughs> um, so, but it was bait then. It was really. It was because mm. the. Um, the, the, the headline was Brexit stopped rhinos from mating. <laughs> and I thought, that's a bit weird. How, how is Brexit going to be stopping rhinos from mating? And um, as it turned out, it's just that it's now with all the red tape involved, it's more difficult to engage in, in breeding programs across Europe. So uh, uh, I wonder if, um, I wonder if uh, Brexit has stopped other people mating. I don't know. But I th- well, I, I thought it I got- has, isn't it? I think it probably has. Yeah, there's less of that going across borders, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. But I'm pretty less, sure less, less cross-border fornication. <laughs> there is. Yeah, that's CBF more... as we call it. <laughs> yeah, they do it high level, cabinet level. They call it that, don't they? <laughs> that's yeah. right. Has anyone got the CBF figures this week? <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that that most of the, the rhinos voted Remain. So, yeah. I, so they must be a bit disappointed, mustn't they? I think, I, I, and most rhinos would think, crikey, we're not even from this part of the world. Yeah. How come we're getting caught up in this and we're having less sex? It's just a disgrace. <laughs> There's loads of moody rhinos flying about, isn't there? The yeah, that is the last thing you want. You were moody rhinos. They do look a bit grumpy at the zoos, if you go and see them. So I can, I can understand why now. Brexit. Isn't that, a, isn't that a strip club, moody rhinos? Moody rhinos. It sounds like it should be, shouldn't it? Oh, it's pepper, peppermint rhinos, isn't it? No, hang on. What is it? Peppermint. No, isn't there a... Hang on, there's a there's something rhino, isn't there? Is there? That's a <clears throat> strip club. I'm sure it is. It's quite a famous okay. thingy. You'd know better than I, perhaps. But no, uh, I've never I've <laughs> never been in one. But I've, I've got I've got I've got to check it out now. Anyway, you carry on. Yeah. Um, well, there's another there's another thing just before we start as well. Because remember we yeah. had an email, didn't we, a couple of weeks ago? Oh, it's from... spearmint rhino. Spearmint rhino. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what did you call it? Peppermint rhino. Peppermint. Yes, it's I could have gone. I could have gone after eight rhino, couldn't I? <laughs> it's just the the sister clubs, aren't they? It's around the corner, owned by the same bloke. <laughs> Double mint rhino. <laughs> um, anyway, sorry. Yes. We had an email a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? Didn't we from Julian? Who had, from who'd Julian? Been... He was doing his bathroom. Yeah, did, yeah I, I want to know how he's getting on. Well, I mean, I, I, yeah, okay. So you'll have to write back to us and let us know. What, yeah. you want some photos, do you? I'd like some photos. Really. I just want to see how he's progressing. I mean, I, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, it always interests me, obviously, interior decorating. So I'd like to see. Do you want to have a look at my bathroom? Uh, not really. Does it need decorating? Uh, does it need decorating, did you yeah. say? Yeah. yeah. I think most of my house needs decorating, Probably really. does, mate. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Anyway, the definition of controlling behaviour. There's a little little phrase yeah. Um, a little bit long-winded, but I just, I just want to read it out if I can. Yeah. Um, and it goes like this. Controlling behavior is a range of acts designed to make a person subordinate and or dependent by isolating them from sources of support, exploiting their resources and capacities for personal gain, depriving them of the means needed for independence, resistance and escape, and regulating their everyday behavior. And there's quite a lot in there. That's but snappy, it, isn't it? Yeah, not really. Not, not much of a strap right, so I just, I'd just like to add something there. I mean, not add something to that, oh, then, that, that okay, description because there's, there's room. Um, but the description there of controlling behaviour is a description, I would say, is a description of controlling behaviour when it has become abusive. And I think it's important to recognise that controlling behaviour in and of itself is not necessarily abusive. 
No, so absolutely right. For example, right. you might, you know, I might be controlling to the extent that I need everything to happen the way that I want it to happen because I feel anxious or worried or whatever. I, you know, I might be struggling with stuff and that might be really irritating and frustrating and annoying for the people around me. But that doesn't necessarily, that doesn't make it abusive. It becomes no, it abusive doesn't. when I start to behave in such a way when you feel threatened or intimidated or shamed or um, ridiculed or, you know, uh, unsafe in some way. So I think, I think that is an important distinction to make. It, it, uh, and it is um, because I came across other um, definitions or terms that are being used for, for controlling behavior. <clears throat> uh, one of them was um, uh, coercive control. Yeah, um, which, which is, is abusive. Which is abusive. And the other, the other one I came across, which I thought was a bit strong, but it may, it may well be right. They call it intimate terrorism. Which I thought was well, kinda... I'm not, I'm not heard that expression. Nor have I. Yeah, I, I quite liked it. Um, but what, okay, we need to when we when we look at this. What does it look like in reality? Because because um, you're right, there's there is a difference, um, and it's it's almost on a scale. But what it looks like in reality, and sometimes we need to just look at the. You know, uh, ways to how to uh, to identify the issue because I think mm-hmm. it can creep up sometimes, can't it? Um, mm-hmm. And it it can build. Um, yeah, it can what, certainly. Yeah, it can certainly build. Yeah, no, yeah. Because <clears throat> so I was looking at, at um, ways of looking at if if this is applying to you, then you may well be in a relationship where there is a controlling behaviour going on. Yeah. Um, there's a there, do you know when I looked at this, there was there was hundreds of different things on there that, that could lead to that. So I've picked out just a few really. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> Keeping you away from from family, friends, and other supportive people, or making you feel guilty when you spend time with your loved ones. Now, I've heard that come up quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that is um, classic. Yeah, uh, it kind of goes. Oh, we did an episode on gas- gaslighting, didn't we? We did, and that does come up in my list. <laughs> yeah, because because if you you know one of the benefits, I I, I use that word in inverted commas of. Yeah. Um, isolating someone is it becomes easier to gaslight them yeah yeah you're right yeah an outside voice of reason who can perhaps yeah, or, or, or look at it from a different perspective or can identify exactly. it for you yeah absolutely exactly. and that's why you know that's why you know people who are in a, a controlling relationship say where there are where, where it is abusive that's why quite often they can come to kind of blame themselves they'll say well i don't know i can't understand why i didn't see this well part of the reason you didn't see it is because you were kind of cut off from anybody you might have been able to tell you that there was something um, uh, destructive and abusive going on. Um, and another one that does come up, and I've heard this quite often, is where someone puts financial, social, and emotional barriers in the way to make you makes it hard to get out of the relationship. Mm-hmm. So that's part of that isolating behaviour again, where they're sort of starting to build a little bit of a moat around you. Yeah. And, and they, they sort of also, whilst you're in there, when it can start to turn up a bit nasty, when they make you fear for your safety or the safety of your loved ones mm-hmm. or other people you know, um, which is which it starts to get a bit more sinister, doesn't it, at that point? Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, other things that came up was where, and I know this happened to someone that I knew quite well, where, where the other person created a debt that they're beholden to. So they take out a loan in their name, effectively. Wow, um, yeah. Um, which, again, it, it, it's all part of the financial control. Um, but what often comes up also is that someone that, that their partner is, is incredibly paranoid and overly jealous. You know, there's, there's, I suppose a little bit of jealousy is okay as a, to, to, if you're protective towards someone. But when it comes overly jealous and paranoid, 
then you know you're, you've got you've got problems brewing. Yeah, and that's and that's and that's one of the kind of ways in which it can be such a difficult it creates such a difficult situation because if someone is very paranoid and possessive, it becomes almost in some respects easier for them to convince you that you you're the problem. Yes. You know, why are you doing right. this to me? Why are you upsetting me like this? Yeah. Why do you have to go out? Why you know you? Know, it's like um, you're making your own insecurity about somebody else. You're kind of projecting your own insecurity onto someone else and making it their fault. And, you know, if you, if it's your partner, if it's someone that you've had a, a long-term relationship with, that's, that can be quite compelling, even yeah. though it is fundamentally abusive and controlling. But I think it's good. You, you, I think you hit on the point there, which is important perhaps to interject at this point, that it is, that it is it's the behavior of the other person, the controlling person is often born out of some sort of issue themselves, often anxiety, isn't it? Um, yeah. I mean, and- y- y- if you're controlling, if you if you feel the need to be controlling in any of your relationships, it doesn't have to just be a intimate relationship. No, quite. and fundamentally, that says something about your uh, degree of um, self worth. Yes, you know, that, that says self doubt, doesn't it? it all, all over why it. do you need to be in control if you don't if you don't fear your own security and safety and position in the world? Why would you ever need to control anybody else's? Uh, absolutely right. Uh, that, that's, and, and I think when I was doing the research, I thought, yeah, I hadn't really thought about it from the other person's point of view, but that's, there is um, not, not uh, there's, there's never justification for it, but there's perhaps there's some reasoning behind it as to why it started. I mean, it's a horrible trait for someone, um, especially the, the recipient of, of the, of the, of the uh, controlling behaviour and abuse. It's awful. And what came up also was... Um, you know, whether the, the, the person would, would stalk them and, or keep a close eye on where they go and who you see and who you talk with. Yeah. Monitor phone calls. I stand quite close to someone when they're on the phone and that sort of thing. I'd constantly check their messages and texts, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and embarrassing. Yeah, that's the thing because, because some of these things, some of these things that you're talking about, which kind of probably to someone who's never experienced it, sound as, you know, obviously they are awful, but they would sound so awful as to become, it becomes incredulous that anybody could not notice this. But you'd be surprised. You will have seen this in, in yeah. people you've come into contact with in recovery. But the number of people I've worked with over the years who will say, quite matter of fact, you know, I always let my partner look at my phone. I'm thinking, why? Yeah. Well, you know, that's not, there's something. I mean, I'm not suggesting that in itself is an indication of controlling or coercive controlling behavior. But it's an it's an example of the way in which we become so kind of desensitized to things that it just becomes our normality. So, for instance, if your partner is controlling all the finances, that just becomes a normality. It doesn't make it doesn't make it okay. Yeah, no, <laughs> doesn't quite. mean doesn't mean that it's healthy, but it is what you know, and therefore you're more likely to kind of either turn a blind eye or just consider it completely okay and then when someone does say well that's a bit weird isn't it you might be kind of defensive of it yeah that's fine so you know that's why when you kind of get into these patterns it becomes very very difficult to break out of them sometimes yeah and that's why people just learn to live with it rather than confront it or they keep the peace and and let it go and which comes up also in the next point where where the the perpetrator will embarrass you and criticize you all the time particularly in public in front of people to belittle you and to, and to to exert control in that in that way. When you think about the impact that has on someone, if you uh, you know, I'm not suggesting that the only people who ever end up controlled in in a relationship are people that have low 
sense of self-worth, but it's obviously easier to do that to someone who doubts themselves. Yeah. And of course, if you're in a situation where you're constantly being belittled and shamed and embarrassed in front of people, it takes a lot of courage to stand up against that yeah, and to does, push yeah. back against it. It's much more likely that it will press you further down and you'll become even less sure of yourself. So all of these things kind of conspire to create almost a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, it, it does. And I think that, um, you know, when, when people try and to sort of loosen the shackles slightly and perhaps try and have a little bit of alone time, that gets, that gets disrespected straight away and, and, uh, and clamped down upon. Because again, yep. I've, heard, I've heard that happen. Yeah. Try and put a boundary in place and it gets, it gets knocked back. And, and then when you think about the impact that, um, or the, the role that say drink and drugs would play. Yeah. If part of your response to being in that sort of highly stressful situation is to turn to drink, then that leads you to, to further shame. Yeah, exactly. Which will make you, which is quite likely to make you even less able to kind of stand up against it and, and, and fight for your, you know, rights as an individual human being. Well, you're right. And you've, you've sort of covered the last two points I had, really, in what you've been saying. One was gaslighting. Yeah. And where, you know, obviously, where you, where you start to, to question your own beliefs. And the other one was pr- pressuring you towards unhealthy behaviours. Yeah. Um, in brackets, I've put there, like substance abuse. Mm. Um, and and that, that, that's, you know, we said right at the top of the, of the episode here that um, they can drink and drugs can, can become quite attractive because at, at, at that point, you know, there's a lot of opinion on, you know, how addiction starts, but one of them is, is a, a trauma response. Mm-hmm. And I see that all the time. And this is tra- very traumatic. We're getting, being involved in a relationship where the other person is controlling. Yeah. And, and so the escape via um, substances can be, or can look like the, the, a way of alleviating the issues. It'll only be short term because it will perpetuate, as you say, into, a, into that horrible cycle where addiction then takes over and it makes it even harder for you to make rational decisions about how, how you're going to deal with this situation. Yeah, one of the other ways in which it makes it worse is that if you're, if you're out of your head, off, uh, off your head on um, drink or drugs, then it's easier for your controlling partner to tell you stuff that isn't true. Absolutely oh, yeah, right. When yeah. you were drunk, you did that. Do you remember you said that? No, I didn't say that. No, you did. You were drunk. Absolutely right. And that, um, uh, I remember that coming up in groups where someone who had a, a partner that was very controlling towards her and I think I mentioned it before, perhaps, when um, she kept, her phones kept going missing. And he would say to her, yes, yeah, you did, yeah. And, and yeah, and, and you, you misplaced it. And it turned out there was, he had a whole collection of them that he was taking away on purpose. Um, and that's where it, where it can go. Um, I mean, I, also, it was coming up in the research, you know, with, with controlling behavior, you know, even if your partner isn't, physically violent towards you, it can feel, fill you with the fear that that's going to happen. Uh, and and, the, and the, t- the terror and the trauma can last long after the relationship ends as well. Definitely. It's, it's going to be part of your baggage going forward, isn't it, unless it's dealt with? Definitely. Uh, you know, the, the promise of violence yeah. or the fear of what might happen if you stand yeah. up against it or, um, you know, God forbid, leave, is, is quite often what keeps someone in a controlling relationship. So how do we deal with how does you, how do we deal with a controlling person? Because um, it's quite it's quite tricky to find any positive or, or to real advice on this, um, other than walk away. <laughs> or to yeah, get, I mean, I, get the hell out. I, but that's that's too simpler. That's too simplified, isn't it? Well, it's certainly you know in some respects. I mean, for instance, we we've been talking essentially about intimate relationships here, but it's quite you know you can have a controlling parent. 
It, it, true. Uh, yeah, know, yeah. That, happens, that happens often. I mean, we can't because we haven't got any parents anymore. But, no. um, you know, you can have a controlling relationship with a parent or friends or siblings or work colleagues. So it's not just intimate uh, partners. So the the idea that you can always walk away um, you, you can't, well, you could, but it becomes kind of harder in certain situations. Yeah. So for instance, if you've got a partner, you have children with them, that becomes more difficult. True. I think the thing to, to think about with controlling behavior is don't, you can't change it. You won't change it in someone. So your fundamental, your fundamental approach has to be one of personal safety. So I would say yep. whatever your situation, the first thing you've got to think about is keeping yourself safe. And then from that, you, you know, there are a number of things. You uh, have you got a list of things that you can do here? Uh, yeah, I have. I'll let uh, you go through yours then. Well, it's it's not extensive because it was right, difficult okay. to find anything particularly. So uh, I'm sure you'll be able to build on what I was going to going to say here. Um, but uh, the first point to come up was to uh, avoid reacting to to bad behaviour. Controlling people are often looking for a reaction, and without a reaction, it's probably going to to help quell their uh, their way forward. Yeah, and that's very difficult, but it's absolutely yeah. spot on because if you even if you're not in a controlling situation with someone, think about an argument. If someone says something to you that is unreasonable, um, as soon as you go back, there you are heightening the likelihood that you will say something that they can actually hold on to. Yeah. So if someone is abusive or rude to you or unkind. There's something and this kind of rises up and we think oh, that's not fair. And you might snap back with something similarly ill thought through. And then regardless of what their first comment was, now you have given them something to hang on to. So that's why when someone is controlling, if you can, it's much better not to engage. Don't yeah. argue. Don't try and debate it. Um, because, you know, the, the in some respects, it's what they want. Uh, exactly right. That was the next point, really. We're leading on from, um, you know, avoid reacting. It, it, it was, you know, refuse to argue because controlling people, or they're, well, they're often excited, aren't they, by the power struggle. And that, that's what really lights them up. Yeah. Um, and, and then all the other tools that they have in their box, they start to come through to the fore. And I'm sort of using the male and female um, stereotyping here because it can happen the other way around of it course can it, happen it, other, it, it can happen, happen the other way around i think right. statistically it is more likely to be male on female yes. yeah um, but it does certainly men are uh, in controlling relationships as well so you know this is not the preserve of um you know we're, we're not saying there are only female victims no uh, but yeah i think not arguing and maintaining your composure are pretty critical because as you say if someone has been, if you've been in a controlling relationship with someone for any length of time, they'll know the buttons to press. Yeah. So as soon as you start to tussle for control, it's going to be pretty tough for you to win that fight. Yeah. Um, because that's what they're set up for. They're geared up for saying things and maintaining control over that situation. So, you know, you, you, the, the, the cards are stacked in, in their favor. It is, but maintaining composure, as you say, is, is quite tricky, but I think that can be, it can be learnt, can't it? You can, you, can, you can get into the habit of doing that as you can get into the habit of not arguing or, or, or not engaging yeah, I think, uh, or reacting. Yeah, I know I'm kind of stressing the point again, but it become that maintaining composure becomes much, much harder if you do feel as if you're under some sort of physical yeah. threat. Yeah, yeah, or of you, course. Or yeah. if you feel your, you know, your children at risk or some, someone else in your family or whatever. So when, when, when we say, you know, maintain composure, um, 
sometimes that's very, very difficult. But as far as possible, if you can, don't engage. Because if you don't engage with someone who's being unreasonable, they only really have, they can only listen to their own words. Yeah. Um, as I say, I know it's very difficult, but it is the best way to go if you can. It is tough, as is the next item that came on the list, was expressing your boundaries directly. Um, yep. You know, set, setting boundaries and making it clear. But again, that's quite tough if you're, if you're in an intimidating atmosphere. Or yeah, again, relationship. Yep. much harder if you feel intimidated, but maintaining yeah. boundaries. or it, it, We've spoken about this before. There are two parts to boundaries. One is the establishing of them. So you've got to make yeah. sure what you're clear with whoever it is that's controlling you where your line is. Yeah. But the thing about people who are controlling is they don't observe boundaries. They don't respect them. Right. So even when you've established your boundary, it's almost certain they're going to step over it. Yeah. You also have to be willing to police it. So, you know, being assertive came up as well, which um, sort of, uh, because it said they are unlikely to accept boundaries right away. So you sort of covered that point. You, you, you've, you've actually seen my notes and you're doing me one <laughs> step ahead. You know, it's like that two Roddy's sketch where the, the, the answer oh, yeah. before the question is a little bit like that right now. <laughs> well, I think it's because those two points are so connected. They are. You know, they? you've got to establish your boundaries and then you need to be assertive in order in order to protect them. I'll, I'll tell you the other area where this is not easy, but it's perhaps you feel less physical threat. And that is in a parental relationship. Yeah. You know, many people, I've worked with many people over the years who have a controlling parent. Yes. It is often the mother. Yeah. I have to, have to say yeah. always. Often no, that has come up. That has come up fairly recently. Right. And, well. and so that becomes difficult to stand up against for a different reason. It's because there is, there, there can be, and I, I've, I've felt this with my mother. Um, there is a fear that if you stand up to the degree that you do what you want rather than what she wants, that somehow you'll lose that love. And although for those people listening who have very good relationships with their mothers, they might think, well, you're never going to do that, are you? It does feel as if you might. Yeah. And so although you, you're not fearing any physical consequence most of the time, you are fearing a loss of that love that feels like oxygen to you. Well, what am I going to do if my mother doesn't approve of me? But what people find so often is when they, when they can create a healthy boundary with a parent, Actually, that parental relationship changes for the better over time. It might be yeah. short. It might be difficult in the short term, but you know, there's nothing to be gained from just being a sort of um, a doormat for somebody else, whether it's your mother or anybody else. No, that's absolutely right. And it is. It's a, when you throw um, someone with uh, substance abuse issues into the equation, and then their parents are using. We've had that come up quite a lot as well. They'll use that as a or in any relationship, a stick to beat them with and say, you know, this is, especially with parents saying, I've done all I can for you and this is the way you treat me. And that's sort of, In fact, I was watching a film called Four Good Days. I don't know if you've seen it. It's on Netflix at the moment. No. That explores the relationship between a, a mum and a heroin addict's daughter trying to get her into rehab, et cetera. It's quite, a, um, it's quite an uncomfortable film to watch from an addict's point of view, but there's a lot of, um, a lot of, a lot of good points come out of it. And it's, it's, it's a, Although it doesn't, um, it doesn't wrap it up particularly well. I think it's quite a, a, a good film to watch if you want to make yourself feel a bit, um, well, a bit morose. You know, if you want to go on a bit of a downer, <laughs> if you want to be miserable. If you want to be miserable, have a look at that. But no, well, it's, um, it's, it's a great it's, film. There's something you said there which I think is uh, important to bear in mind, and that is, you know, quite often 
This is another kind of form of control. Quite often uh, in that sort of situation, if, you, if you've got a problem with drink or drugs and a parent says to you, you know, I've done so much for you, you know, this is worrying me into an early grave or yeah. what you're trying to do to me. It's yeah. like they're making your difficulty about them. Right, they're yes. Controlling. Yeah. It's like, no, yeah. this is not about you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I have to say that in my experience, the parental controlling relationships are the ones where that really happens a lot. Yeah. Oh, what are you doing to me? Why are you doing this to me? This isn't about you. This yeah. is about the struggle I've got. And if you can't see that we're kind of separate, then we're always going to have a problem in that kind of relationship. So what I'm saying is that finding a way of creating that separation and making clear that separation to another person in the long term might improve that relationship. And if it doesn't, well, I'd argue you haven't really lost much anyway. Yeah, which is a good point. It is a good point. And, and another, uh, another point that came up on the list here was, again, you sort of touched on it. Um, well, it says remind yourself that it's not personal because they usually have something going on under, their, under the surface. So they've got issues themselves and it's, it's their issues that they are then projecting onto you. Mm, this comes back to something we were talking about last week, which is uh, occasionally there are things that you would say about situations which are true theoretically, but they're yeah. impossible to, to feel. Yeah. Yeah. So whilst I'm sure, whilst that is true, you know, someone who is controlling, it's, it's their issue, actually. Yeah, They've yeah. got, there's something wrong with them. Yeah, yeah. When you're on the receiving end of it, it's impossible to feel like that, I think. Um, so yes, you can acknowledge it intellectually. Yes. Whether it make much difference to you um, emotionally, I doubt it, unless you're really super strong. I think <laughs> probably that sort of stuff, that sort of realisation probably comes into its own later on. You know, when you have detached yourself from the relationship or when the relationship is changing in some respect, I think then it kind of might help to cement your recovery from that relationship by reminding yourself, this is not, this isn't me. This wasn't my fault. I didn't do anything wrong. There was nothing wrong with me. It's something that someone else is struggling with. Uh, yeah, you're right. You're sort of rationalizing the situation at that stage, aren't you? But you're doing it with the benefit of a bit of distance between yourself and the issues that were happening at the time. Exactly that. I agree. I agree. Um, and that's it, really, apart from, you know, limiting the interactions, which is a little bit like ignoring them. And, and well, no, no, I mean, li- limit, limiting them by getting away from a relationship sometimes is the best route. Uh, yeah, limiting the interactions or walk away, it says, you know, if necessary. So there is a, um, a, a, a line in which you say, that's, that's it. I've got, I've got to leave this relationship behind. I would uh, say that if, 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 you, if you find yourself in that situation, if you, can't, if you don't feel like you can do any of those things, the two things always to bear in mind are keep yourself safe, whatever that yeah. looks like. Yeah. And seek help. Yes. Because just keeping yourself safe won't get you out of the situation, but you do need to find a kind of way of seeking help. And actually um, there's a program for people in abusive relationships called the freedom program, which you can find online. If you, I'll, I'll put a link on the episode when we're okay. up. Um, which is an online program for for people who are victims of domestic abuse. So it's, this isn't really for the other relationships that we've been talking about in terms of uh, control. Um, but if you do find yourself in an intimate relationship where you're feeling, where, where some of these things are kind of um, raising red flags for you, then it's, it's kind of worth seeking out because it's, it's really good. And, and I've known a lot of people go through that and it's been really helpful for them. Oh, is it? Oh, that's a, that's a good tip. A very useful thing to do because, and, and it's surprising. I came across um, people that deal with 
um, or giving giving advice to people that are doing the controlling as well to try and get. Yeah. Well, which, I think I, I think I've, I think I'm right in saying I might be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure the Freedom Program does also welcome in people who have yeah. trouble controlling themselves and want to address it, which is great. You know, it is great. I mean, it, which is, I, I, I imagine it's quite difficult for someone to come to terms with the fact that they are doing that, especially if they've got narcissistic tendencies as well, because they won't seek help. But um, if, it's, if, 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 if narcissism isn't involved, then, then perhaps they would like to take the opportunity to make themselves a better person. Yeah. I mean, that is also, that's a point worth making as well, that quite often, not always by any means, but quite often controlling behavior is synonymous with a, um, personality disorder yeah could be narcissistic personality disorder um could be borderline personality disorder a number of others um so again if you know if someone if someone is controlling because they've got a personality disorder you're not going to change that they're they're only going to change that by seeking help themselves yeah and you're right if someone's got narcissistic personality disorder that they aren't they're unlikely to seek help because they probably won't think that they're the problem yeah well quite Right, but I've, again, I've found the people that have been involved in these relationships have, have managed to extricate themselves from them. Um, you know, that, they've done it by reaching out and seeking help and advice. There's lots of you know, either go by refuges or, again, with online support or, or support from friends and family who can help them out. And I think you know, when they do eventually make the break, they're very grateful. So um, on, on your gratitude list this week, it is your turn to go first if you wanted to. Yeah, on my gratitude uh, list this week is online shopping. Online, oh, wow. Um, okay, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I suppose I've never really thought about it as being grateful for it, but I suppose we should be. Well, online shopping gets, sometimes I think gets a bad rap because yeah. for lots of reasons, you know. Um, death of the high easy. street. We, we, death of the high street. Spend too much money. la di da da But there are certain situations. So the, specifically, I've put online shopping on this week because I just bought an apple tree, right, for the garden. Oh, did you? Okay. In the times gone past, before online shopping, that would have required, A, a trip out to the garden centre, which is there's nothing wrong with that. No. But you would then be restricted by the limited uh, range of apple trees they had in stock. Yeah. And then when you think about the size that you need as well, it might reduce your choice even further. Whereas if you buy something like an apple tree online, there are hundreds to choose from. Oh, there. Different sorts of root stocks. So you can essentially get specifically whatever you want delivered to your door. And I think, you know, that is the, that's the absolute upside of online shopping. Uh, that makes sense. I'm a, uh, can I ask which Apple, particular Apple brand you've bought? Do they call them brands? Varieties. I they, varieties, I think they call them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's called Green Sleeves. <laughs> is it? Like, like yeah. the, the Henry VIII written tune. Yeah. It, well, I think it was originally created, if that's that's probably not the right, propagated, I don't know. Proper, yeah, probably That's right the way. East Morning Research Station. Was it? Oh, okay. Yeah, so I, I think they the say that if you, when you buy an apple, if you can get a local one, that's quite good. I don't know why yeah. it's good, but um, so that's what I've got. So I expect I'll kill it like I kill most things in the garden. But Well, yeah, nurture it. Try it. Try, try, try. I, I do nurture stuff, but it still dies. Try your level best. Oh, did, oh. Have you have, have you tried a green sleeves apple? You might be growing something which was really disgusting when you when I you don't picked the think, fruit. I, I haven't tried a green sleeves apple, but I don't think I'll be disappointed. It's, as long as an apple's crunchy, I'm going to be all right with it. What I can't stand is a is a sort of um, you know when they go a bit soft and foamy. Oh, yeah. I, I don't. I can't be doing with that at all. But even if they were like that, which they won't be, I'd just cook with them. No, I felt I, I took one because I take a, um, a, some fruit to work with me. 
Yeah. And uh, I'd left an apple in my bag over for a couple of days where I hadn't eaten it. So I went to eat, eat it and I was really hungry. I thought, oh, apple would be just all right. Uh, but I had to only eat half it because the other half had started to go mouldy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll draw the line at a mouldy apple. I was biting as close to it. Well, I thought oh, this is probably going to turn to cider and I'll get wrecked in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> you probably have to leave it a bit longer to make yeah, cider. You probably would. <laughs> so what have you got then? Um, I've got Gorilla Glue on my list um, the reason the only reason is because um, the sole came off of my trainer yeah. um, and um, I was able to glue it back on and continue to wear it to go to work with so I was happy I was pleased to have some it was, it was, I was grateful that I had it at home and I could deal with it straight away yeah no I like Gorilla Glue I'm a big fan of Gorilla Glue and it's the only glue that I found of that sort of super strong type yeah that uh, they've managed to find a way of um, the top not gluing itself onto yeah. the tube when you yeah. use it. Because yeah, all the others a... seem, you can use them once, yeah, yeah. and then the next time you go to use it, about two months later, you can't get a top off anymore. No, you're right. Because I did try previously with my trainer, because often I, I, my, my shoes wear out quite quickly at work. Um, I'd previously tried to use some no nails on my trainer right. <laughs> to stick the sole back on, but that's inflexible, just cracks and just, just fell off again. Uh, but again, the, the no nails, if you don't use it very often, because it's in a tube in a gun, it just, you have to replace the, the nozzle because that all cakes up. Was the, uh, with the trainers that you repaired, do they have a yoga mat in a sole? <laughs> do you know They're a really old pair. They're a really old pair. In fact, I had them over. They've been, I had them solo. When the, when the sole came off, there was a date underneath them that was printed on it, which was the year 2000. Wow. So was, yeah, I know. So all those years they'd been k- kicking around in the back of my cupboard and I'd, they'd, I'd worn them a few times, didn't particularly like them at the time, obviously, but they're ideal for, you know, for going to work where they're going to get all painty and, and knackered. But two nice. things, so 20 odd years of those trainers have been. 23 year old trainers fixed to, with Gorilla Glue. I've been trying to patch them up. They're probably due for the, for the dump quite soon. You should go on um, the repair shop. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nike train. Uh, Nike, no, Martin's brought in a pair of old trainers. <laughs> I can see old Jay Blade t- taking his cap, doffing his cap towards that. All right, mine. I'm just going to uh, get the Gorilla Glue out here. Uh, if you don't have to come back in a two weeks. You just hang around. I'll do it for you now. Do it for you now, mate. Yeah, you stand over there. <laughs> Very good. Anyway, um, Days of the year. Now, this has been on the television as well. I'd, even though I'd written my notes, it suddenly came up on the television yesterday, I think it was. Right. Today is National Yorkshire Pudding Day. Excellent. Yeah, which I think I, I, everyone loves a Yorkshire pudding, don't they? Yeah, I love a Yorkshire pudding, but I do not hold with the, um, the habit that a lot of people have of having them with their Christmas dinner. Do you not? Do you, do, no, do you not wrong, think it suits? You, you have, you have uh, Yorkshire pudding with, with roast beef. Uh, and, uh, or if you're a vegetarian, that's yeah. fine. You can have you can have your Yorkshire puddings with whatever. Yeah. But you can't be you can't be having Yorkshire puddings with roast chicken and lamb and pork. That's wrong. Um, it's wrong in your eyes, but I think uh, a lot of a lot of people will eat it, whichever the the meat is. Because if you're only limited just when you have beef, you're not going to have the joys of a Yorkshire pudding. Well, that's uh, your as own, often as that's you want. your own fault. It's your own fault, is it, for not having standards? I feel like it's necessary for me to be controlling in this regard. <laughs> you wouldn't invite someone round and um, and put well, a Yorkshire pudding you, off their you, plate. If you don't eat beef very often, which is absolutely fine. I've got yeah. no problem with that at all. Um, have a have a um, toad in the hole with vegetarian sausage. Yeah, 
Yeah, right. which is obviously got the Yorkshire pudding around the outside. Yeah, you're exactly. right. Exactly. If you're going to have Yorkshire pudding, you need to have Yorkshire pudding in some sort of traditional sense. You can't be going willy-nilly, putting it on any... <laughs> I mean, next yeah, the... thing you know, people will be having fish fingers and bloody Yorkshire puddings. Wrong, well, isn't I, it? I can see you're getting quite angry with people's cavalier attitudes towards Yorkshire puddings. <laughs> I am. I am. It's like, it's like having strawberries in February. It's not right. Oh, right. Okay. Right. We should be eating seasonally and traditionally, in my okay. mind. Yeah, no, no. Well, that, that's again, that's quite a strident point of view, and I'm sure it's it's very valid. Yeah. But um, the the first recipe for Yorkshire pudding, since you ask, yeah, you did ask, didn't you? You wonder <laughs> when the first when the first recipe came around. It was actually in uh, 1737, and they called it they called it dripping pudding at that point. Yeah, because they they roast the meat above the pudding, and then yeah. the dripping from the meat drips onto the pudding. Yeah, the yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I've, I've I've never cooked a Yorkshire pudding myself. But, You've um, never cooked a Yorkshire pudding? No, I haven't. No, no. Well, well, you just go and get those Aunt Bessie ones, don't you? And away you go. Dark job done. That's it. <laughs> Let's close that conversation. I I don't, I'm, I just, yeah, I'm not often speechless, but <laughs> that's just that's ridiculous. Is it? It's just one of those. Um, Have you ever made pancakes? Uh, yeah. Well, you yeah. essentially made Yorkshire puddings then. You just yeah. have to cook them in the Yorkshire pudding manner. Yeah. I've made pancakes. We used to make pancakes with the kids as well. But, um, but I, I'm, I'm very rarely near the, 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 the cooker or the oven, as you, as you know. So mm. that's not going to happen. Mm. Uh, but a couple of other um, days of the year. Yeah. One of them is very relevant. It was called Dump Your Significant Jerk Day. So <laughs> Dump Your Significant Jerk? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. If, if you've got a significant jerk in your life, Bing them out today. Today's the day to get rid of them. Have you got a significant jerk in your I, life? I haven't, no. <laughs> I've got no pinging to do. <laughs> Perhaps we've got to the stage in life now where we've dumped all of our significant jerks. That's it, or we've been dumped. <laughs> we've yeah, been, that's we, true. Yeah, that's probably more like it, isn't it? <laughs> um, but the other, the other uh, day was uh, National Weather Person's Day. Oh. Um, and I... When I was writing that down, I'd started to write National Weather Spoons Day, and that wouldn't be right for a recovering alcoholic, would it? <laughs> I certainly well, I think the people going, who go in Weather Spoons every day is a National Weather Spoons Day, isn't it? Uh, yeah, but, but Weather Person's Day. Mm. Do you, have you got a favourite? You got a favourite? Um, I'm going to say I'm going to go with John Ketley. John Ketley. Yeah, that's, yeah, he's John quite, Ketley is a weatherman, and he was in, in the. Uh, was it Half Man, Half Biscuit? That half did that? Man, Half Biscuit. John Ketley is a weatherman, so is Michael Fish. So is Michael Fish. So they've been immortalised by the great Half Man, Half Biscuit band, which I, I, still, I still have a little listen to them from time yeah. to time. There you go. I think I'd go for Ketley anyway. I can't go for Fish because he made such a mess of the uh, hurricane warning in 1987. You hold a grudge for a long time, boy. Hmm. Well, if you're a weatherman, you've got one, essentially got one job. And he <laughs> said, don't worry, there isn't going to be a hurricane. Next morning, everyone's roofs have come off their houses. Bad. The gable ends so, have been blown. As far as I'm concerned, he lost it at that point. He did lose it. Yeah. And so my, my favourite is Carol Kirkwood. I, right. think she, okay. I think she's got a nice, soft little Scottish lilt, a, a, a nice delivery. Mm. Looks kind. She looks like a kind person. I expect she is kind, but are yeah. you suggesting John Ketley isn't? He didn't look kind, no, not particularly, no. Hmm, I think he looked all right. Is he still? He's, is he still alive? John I Kelly? don't know. It was, it was a long time ago. It was during the eighties. He was on the TV. So, well, yeah, but we were around during the eighties, and we're still alive. Well, well that's true. But I, I got a feeling he was older than us. Okay, I'll tell you. Uh, no, he's still alive. How old do you reckon he is? Seventy-six. 
He's 70. Is he? Oh, he's not as old, quite as old as I thought then. No. Right. What about Michael Fish? Is he still alive? Didn't he die? I've got a feeling he died. I've got a feeling he died. Let's have a look. No, he's not dead. How old is he? I don't know. I just, I just said, he, I just said he's a bit older. So I'll put, I'll put seventy six, seventy seven, seventy eight. Very good. Seventy eight. Yeah. Okay. Good. That's weathermen done then. It is weathermen done. I suppose the fitting end for him would be a gable end would fall on him, wouldn't it? Blown <laughs> out by a hurricane. <laughs> <laughs> Or he'd get whisked, whisked away in a tornado. He would, like the, the um, what's that film Wizard called? Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz, yeah. yeah. Or Twister. <laughs> End up in Kansas or whatever. Um, right, okay, on this day in music. Yeah. I don't want to drag this out too long. Um, 1972, T-Rex were number one with Telegram Sam in the UK from Slider. The reason I mention that is because Slider was the first LP that I ever bought myself. Was it? Um, yeah, so I thought, oh, I'm just going to throw that in. So it was 1972 and I bought it on my mum's K's catalogue where you could pay weekly. Yeah. So I think it was a shilling a week or something like that. Nice. For, for a little was it while. worth it? Oh, it's a fabulous album. It's still, it's still crisp to this day. Have you still got it? it? Yes, I have. Is it in the correct sleeve? Yeah, of course. Of course. And in order. Yeah. With all the other T-Rex albums that I had, I was a bit of a big T-Rex fan at the time. <laughs> yeah. So I, had, I, I collected a few other albums. Yeah. Do you like any other dinosaurs? Any other dinosaurs, or, uh, uh, musical dinosaurs? Or no, just uh, other than the Tyrannosaurus Rex. Not really, no, that's my favourite, the T-Rex. It's always the head and shoulders above your Brontosaurus, wasn't it? Your Trachiosaurus, whatever they call it. They change the names as well, haven't they, these days? Pterodactyl, that's quite nice, isn't it? Oh, yeah, Pterodactyl and the Dinosaurs. Yeah. Well, that was a group, wasn't it? Was it? Pterodactyl, yeah. Pretty clever oh. use of words. I didn't wasn't? know that. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, it rings a bell now, yeah. Um, 2004, you might remember this, Janet Jackson had a wardrobe malfunction on stage. I do, I I think, do. That was, wasn't it at the Super Bowl? Yeah, so I think Justin Timberlake had a... I'm, try, yeah. I'm trying to say this discreetly without, you know, without... Um, had, to, had to put his hands over her, her can, breast. We can say it, can't we? Yeah, yeah. I think, <laughs> I think we can say breast, can't we? I don't we think can. there's anything wrong with that. Apparently that became the most um, sought-after internet search after that. Or that image, no, obviously. get out. It, Did it? Yeah, it became massive. Yeah, the, the internet went a bit crazy if people searching for that particular image. I know, a bit yeah, bizarre. Yeah, honestly, you want to get out more, people. don't you? And in 2016, yeah, um, this is the last one, a new species of black tarantula was found near Folsom Prison in California and named after Johnny Cash. Now, I don't, know, I, I, I don't think any of us have ever had I'm just trying to think. I don't think I've ever had a tarantula named after me. Have you? Um, not that I'm aware of. No. <laughs> have you ever no. had anything named after you? No. No. People get roses named after. Uh, Bobby Charlton had a rose named after. I remember. If you had something named after you, what do you think it would be? Um, I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd like to think it's, it wouldn't be an alcoholic drink. Let's put it <laughs> I was going to say a gin. Gin or vodka. Yeah. But I don't know if I can pronounce this, but the. The name of the black tarantula was the Afanapelma Johnny Cash Eye. <laughs> nice. That trips <laughs> off the tongue. It's not snappy at all, uh, again. But it was, um, I think it was because Folsom Prison, did, I think he did a gig there, didn't he? I wonder how Johnny Cash would have felt about having a tarantula named after him. Do you think he'd have been all right with that? Oh, they, yeah, he would have been. He was a bit of a rebel anyway, wasn't he? I mean, playing in these different prisons. Um, he recorded yeah. a couple of albums, of, you know, live ones in prisons, didn't he? Yeah. I think if I had to have an animal named after me, I'd want it to be an elephant. An elephant, yeah. I yeah. can see that. Mm. Yeah. 
Or I don't think I'd giraffe. I'd be. Cause I thought you're going. I thought you were going to say gerbil. A gerbil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't last very long. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's about it for me, mate. Good. That's enough, isn't it? It is more than enough. Mm, that's it. We're done. Okay. Bye then. See you next time. Bye. Laters. Sideways was created by Graham Landy and Martin Pankhurst. If you want to read more about our work or sort through the extensive archive of past episodes, just visit grahamlandywellbeing.co.uk forward slash sideways podcast. You can follow us on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram at Sideways Podcast. And you can email us if you have a question or if there's something you'd like us to cover. But most of all, we want to tell you how grateful we are that you come and listen. And we ask that if you've enjoyed what you've heard, that you spread the word. And we'll see you next week.